G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story... I would say because of Studio Classroom and our TV shows that probably thousands and thousands of people will be in heaven that would not have been if we hadn't had that ministry. The Story. story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard Zarina London's story and how she went from being a nightclub singer in the United States to becoming involved in a musical ministry in Taipei, Taiwan. Zarina shared that the person who was instrumental in helping her making that change was legendary Christian missionary Doris Brome. And today, we're going to hear Doris's amazing story. But first, a little background. Doris was born in 1926 in Seattle, Washington, and travelled by freighter to China in 1948. At first, she primarily ministered to tribal people, but eventually broadened her ministry and went on to become the founder of overseas radio and TV ministry, producing Taiwan's first Christian television program. Now, several years ago, Eric Scadabo went to a church on the east side of Melbourne that was having a missions conference. It was there that he heard the heavenly melody singers from Taiwan, which are a part of Doris's ministry. One of the singers shared that his tribal group used to be headhunters, but then missionaries came and shared with them about Jesus. He went on to say that one of the missionaries that had a huge impact on his tribal group was Doris Brome. They sang a song in tribute to her, and then the elderly Doris joined them on stage and began to play a beautiful trumpet solo. It was amazing. So, Eric wanted to know who she was and called up the church the next day and recorded these conversations. We'll start off with Eric chatting with Wesley Shu from the Heavenly Melody Singers, who he heard share the story the night before. Then, Eric will chat with Doris Brome. Joining me on the telephone from a church here, in the Melbourne area is Wesley Shu. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Wesley. Nice to meet you in the air. And you're with the musical group Heavenly Melody. Heavenly Melody, yeah. And last night I had the privilege of hearing you sing along uh-huh. with the entire Heavenly Melody group. <laughs> and you shared with us, Yeah. you introduced a very special person. Could you briefly retell that again? Yeah, okay. I, I want to introduce to you uh, our founder. She's a missionary from United States, Seattle. Uh, her name is Doris Brom. She came to China it's about uh, when she was 20 years old. And she went to Shanghai, China. And after uh, several years, she came to Taiwan and started her ministry in Hualien, which is uh, my hometown in, uh, in tribe's village. Yeah. Now, you shared last night mm-hmm. that your tribe, within the last hundred years or so, had been headhunters. Is that correct? Yes, it's correct. Yeah. Uh, it uh, was about uh, uh, 1930, 50, 50, uh, 51, yeah. Uh, well, our people still uh, headhunters for, yeah. 
those time. Then after that, several uh, missionaries came to our village and shared gospel. Among them, it included Doris Osaki. She came to uh, visit us and give us the uh, knowledge of, about gospel. Wow, and how has your tribe changed after oh, hearing the good news of Jesus yeah, Christ? The first uh, few, few uh, days, they feel that that was uh, from other countries' news. But uh, after several years, uh, several uh, days, they, they found out that it's a good news to them because uh, during that time we have many uh, bad uh, habits, bad uh, living well. So, so after that, several people start to learn about the Bible. My, my father, uh, he accepted the Lord when he was young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he heard about the good news, then he changed his, his life. And he dedicated his uh, life to God when, she, when he was young. So, and yeah, but Doris was the teacher's uh, then he grew up, so he, he went to the uh, Bible school. Uh, the, the, uh, he, he is the, uh, one of the uh, first uh, pastor during that time, yeah. And I understand that you're a pastor as well. Yes. <laughs> I, I was grew up in, in a pastor's family, so then uh, when I was grew up, then uh, one day I have a dream that uh, if I can join a music ministry like Heavenly Melodies and, and so there was an opportunity to, and they came to see me and invite me to join them wow that's I, fantastic at that time I didn't know that Doris taught my father before <laughs> oh really yeah until until we met together then he said where are you from then I said from Amis oh yeah I have been taught in, in a Bible study, a Bible school, in a few years, few, many, many years ago. Then I said, oh, really? And my father was one of the pastors. Then, until after uh, we talked about and he said, do you know somebody? Like, yeah, that's, that's my father. Then he's so surprised that God put all things together. In good wow. Way. Yeah. That's fantastic. So I guess you could say that Doris had a role in being the Lord's servant and helping change the direction of your tribe. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. God bless. God bless you too. I love to tell the story, tell the old story of Jesus and his wonderful love. I love to tell the story. Joining us on the telephone now is Dr. Doris Brome. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. And I had the opportunity last night to see you perform along with the Heavenly Melody singers. Mm -hmm. And I was quite startled to see an elderly woman playing a trumpet and playing it very well. Well, I think people should always keep doing. uh, If you play an instrument, you shouldn't say, I used to. You should just keep doing it. That's all. 
And here at the studio, I found a song called I'm Going to Keep on Singing, right. mm -hmm. which uh, features a trumpet solo that right. you played on. Also, it's a, a fitting song for you because it's titled I'm Going to Keep on Singing, which is kind of your theme. You, you're keeping on working, even though some people say that uh, it's retirement time. Well, you know the famous pastor, Billy Graham. Everybody knows him. Mm -hmm. And I saw Billy a few times, and I've talked to him. And uh, he, I said, Billy, you know, what do you think about people retiring? Because everybody said, oh, you should retire when you're 65. And Billy says, I don't find anything in the Bible that says about retiring. And he said, that's just something that man thought up. He hmm. said, you keep working for God as long as he wants you to. And that's what Billy did, and I'm doing it too. So, you know, God gives the orders, right? Amen. Well, you're keeping on singing and keeping on working for the Lord. But let's go back to the beginning. Now, we just spoke with Pastor Wesley, Wh Shue. Wesley uh -huh. Shue, and he was sharing how you met his father, and he was in a tribe. Can you kind of go back to your early years and how you came over to minister in Taiwan? Well, when I uh, went to Taiwan, I had just evacuated from China. Mm -hmm. I was in my early 20s at that time. And there were a lot of people didn't know where to go because they couldn't minister in China anymore. And so some missionaries went home and some went to Japan and other countries. But I felt like, well, the, the Chinese people that left had gone to the island of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And that's what I came out to minister to Chinese. So then uh, that's where I finally was able to go over to Taiwan. And when I got there, I found that the East Coast was a little bit more inaccessible and tribes people and nobody really wanted to go there but when I was younger I said oh that would be okay you know so I went there and uh, I, f I taught at the tribes bible school and at that time I also did other things I helped to start children's work and youth camps and things and radio programs but I had uh, students from the tribes and they would say will you come up to the mountains with me to tell uh, how to start Sunday schools I made the first songbook for the tribes people and I would go up and stay with them for a week or two at a time in the summer. And it was quite different in those days because the villages were a bit primitive and probably a bit unsanitary, too, hmm. and former headhunters. And uh, sometimes they, even though they were not headhunters, they would say, do you want to see the heads you know, that they had taken? <laughs> they were not supposed to have them, but since I was their friend, they showed them to me. I don't know if that was good or not. But, it was. but <laughs> well, anyway. I obviously, that would be something you would remember. <laughs> I would remember that very well, yes. But it was a very good opportunity to help preach the gospel there. I would play my trumpet in the mountains and the hills, and people would hear it, and they would all come in and get a lot of people into the church that way and, and uh, let them know about Jesus and the Bible. And I did that for quite a few years. And then many of the tribes people now are Christians, so that there's more tribes people Christians per population than there are the Chinese people, actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah, maybe 20 or 30 percent, whereas the Chinese people only 3 percent.
You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with the legendary missionary to Taiwan, Doris Brome. We'll hear more of her incredible story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1 800 Pray for Me. That's 1 800 772 936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with the legendary missionary to Taiwan, Doris Brome. Doris is a trumpet player who originally came to Taiwan in 1951 to work with tribal people. And as we'll continue to hear, she has had a huge impact on many, many people's lives in Asia. Now, you're originally from Seattle in the United States? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you went to Bible school? I went to Simpson Bible School, and then I went to University of Washington to study Chinese, and then I went to China when I was 21. And you became fluent in Mandarin? Well, I, I guess you could call it fluent. You use Mandarin, but I also learned the tribe's language and a little bit of the local Taiwanese. So I, I, wherever you go, you have to speak the language that the people do just so that you can become one like them. Oh, I see. So it wasn't just Mandarin, but also the tribal languages as well. Yes. Okay. And so how long did you work with the tribes? Well, I still work with them right now. In fact, some of the people that I led to the Lord, their their children, like Wesley's working for us, and one girl who's Liebig is a very great singer, and and she was named after me. My tribe's name is Liebig, so and we have tribes people in and out, and we still work with them, yeah. Okay. Now, eventually, you began to broaden your horizons from just the tribal people and getting into radio. How did that come about? Well, actually, we were doing all these things at the same time because I lived in the Hualien, which is at the entrance to these tribes' villages, and sometimes weekends I would go to the tribes. And then during the week, uh, I would make radio programs and go to schools. I had a group of uh, Chinese Christians. We went to schools and taught about Jesus and so forth. But I started the radio in 1951 in my home because... I could see all of the people were worshiping idols, and they just couldn't reach them fast enough. And very few Christians, only one-tenth of one percent in the country at that time. And they didn't go to church. There weren't many churches. They were afraid to go. And so I finally started radio programs, and I learned about tape recorders, which were very new. And we put the program on tape in my home and took it to the station so I could go around during the broadcast and I could see all these people with idol shelves listening to the radio program. And even people in the temples, they would say, that's your program, and they would ask me about it. So I could witness so many people because of the radio. So ever since then, we've been making radio, and then later TV. And of course, you're the founder of Overseas Radio and Television. Yes. And so that's kind of how it got started. That's how it got started, mm-hmm. And then the, eventually the television part? And the television started just a couple years later in 1962. And then we also started Studio Classroom, which is known all over the world because people wanted to learn English. I was a music teacher, a children's uh, ministry teacher, but I also became an English teacher because that's what the people needed. So I didn't really want to be an English teacher, but they needed English and asked me to. So I made an English program. And now that now it's on all over the world on television. We have three radio programs every day and two television programs in English every day and three magazines with about 500,000 subscriptions. So 
Why English? I mean, you said that they needed it so much, but if you're a Christian ministry, somebody might say, why are you getting into teaching? Why aren't you just teaching the Bible? Well, I know we do hear that a lot. In fact, uh, you know, people don't understand how God is using it. I guess you could say because God knew that English would be popular. We didn't know it so much at the beginning, mm-hmm. but now Taiwan has English as a second language. Thailand became as a second language. We reached into places like Pakistan and Iran. We get emails Pseudo Classroom is on the web mm-hmm. and it's on a, a television station we helped start in Kazakhstan and so all over the world because of Studio Classroom people who would never hear the gospel are hearing and all the people that listen to it in China we meet them all over the world and they say oh I heard Studio Classroom you're our teacher and they just they come to you know, like they love you and they come and talk to you and then you can tell them about Jesus so probably more people get saved through Studio Classroom than through most churches we hmm. reached about um 70,000 young people in Taiwan from January up till now, and 10,000 of them, we couldn't really, in in the schools, we couldn't actually preach to them, but we could say, if you want to know more about God, write in, and 10,000 did. That's uh, more than most churches could reach in that period of time. So God knew that. So English is a bridge to sharing the gospel. It's what people need, and that's what they want, and then you use that to tell them about something that they need that they don't know about. And I see here that uh, you're an advisor to the Taiwan Ministry of Education. Is that correct? Yes, and also uh, what, uh, from the some of the different cities I'm on. We also advise her to the national police, and we do their uh, all of their English preparing and teaching because they all need to learn English now. It's a government uh, demand, and they can't learn it fast enough. So our teachers go and teach down at the police academy and so forth. So you are filling a niche that is needed in learning English, and you're doing a good job of it so well that you're heavily recommended by the government and different government agencies. Right, because we try to really not only talk about English, but we use English to let people know about uh, things that they need in their life and about moral standards for the kids, which they need all over the world. And we try to teach principles, and we we teach more than English. We use English to let people understand the needs in their life more. We use things like focus on the family does, only we use Mm -hmm. it as English teaching. Okay, and then also, we mentioned earlier how you're a trumpet player, and you've been using music as part of your ministry as well. Yes, uh, I've taught at the Academy of Music and Arts in Taiwan, and a lot of my pupils are now symphony conductors and so forth, so we are in with all of the music people. And I think music and English go well together Mm -hmm. because we have a couple of singing groups, one called Sunshine Singers, and they're in schools right now with some of our people. And we get to have music and assemblies and then English skits. And the combination of using English to teach songs about good things is good, too. So the English and music go very close together, and we do them together. And uh, what are some of your the highlights of your trumpet playing career? Well, I have had what we call highlights because, I mean, the Lord has used it in many different ways, but I've also had many situations where I wish I had studied it more because I was in Northern Ireland and Belfast and great big uh, halls, and I was supposed to have other musicians come, and they didn't show up, and I had to play solos. And I said, Lord, I gave all this up for you, and now I have to play solos, and I wasn't really ready, but God <laughs> helped me get through that. So, you know, I think music, I don't like to play solos. I like to play in a band, and I've helped a lot of bands and a lot of groups, and, uh, and a lot of my trumpet pupils in schools have become Christians, and now they're serving God. One's a big pastor in L.A. So the best thing about music is that I think music is the language of the soul, of the heart. Mm-hmm. 
And so through music, you can reach so many people. So I also play the French horn and other instruments. And I think music is just another way to reach people's hearts. Mm-hmm. I see here that you played at Chiang Kai-shek's funeral. Yes, uh, we had our singers sang there, and then I played uh, with some instrumentalists. We played his favorite hymns, Nearer My God to the Ears, and then we played that at his uh, funeral, yes. And his wife used to watch your television program? Yes, it was her favorite program, and uh, even though it, the Taiwan is a very strong Buddhist country, of course, and sometimes you know they were not too happy about our program going into all the temples and everybody watching the TV show hmm. and t- uh, telling about God, but... Um, one time they, they got the program stopped and Madam John called the station and said, where's my favorite program? It's not on. And they said, how did you get her to do that? I said, we didn't. She just liked the program. So they put it back on again. So that was really good. Wow. So Chiang Kai-shek's wife personally recommended that your program be put back on. Yes. Oh, yes. She said, that's my favorite program every week. <laughs> wow. Well, looking back on your 50-plus years living in Taiwan, what do you think the impact of your ministry has been on that culture? Well, I think all of us make an impact through other people's lives, so you don't do anything by yourself. It's always a group of people. I mean, God uses us to work together, but I would say because of Studio Classroom, because of Heavenly Melody and our TV shows, that probably thousands and thousands of people will be in heaven that would not have been if we hadn't had that ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think you can probably go any place in the world where there's Chinese, and somebody there will have studied Studio Classroom at some time in their life. Wow, that's quite an amazing legacy. Well, that's because God planned it that way, not us. I never would have thought of that myself. Now, so you were just a Bible school student who learned to speak the language and also obviously had that musical background, and look how the Lord used you. Yes, and as we go on, we keep learning new things, and, you know, you study things, and and, uh, you you can still learn when you get older. I always tell everybody that, you know. Keep learning and, um, and keep growing and never give up. And it's more blessed to give than receive. God always gives you back more than you give Him. Amen. And what is the future for overseas radio and television ministry? Well, actually, since the director is up in heaven, I think God is the director, and we just do what He has us do. Many, many opportunities. We've just helped. We started different stations. We've helped satellite. We've helped teach other people TV. In Albania now, we're helping a a, a gospel station there, and we just sent somebody over there, and we helped one up in Kazakhstan, which is now in 82 countries. So we're just helping other people do the same thing we did when we have a chance, and then we're just growing by um, doing more to reach people on the web in every way possible. We have e-magazines and chat rooms and, you know, ministering in all these new modern ways as the Lord opens the door. So he lets us know, and we just keep doing it as as, as he leads. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Well, God bless everyone, and remember that God has a great plan for everybody's life, so all you have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, I'll do it, and he'll, he'll show you. Amen. That's the trumpet playing of our remarkable guest today, the legendary missionary to Taiwan, Doris Brome, the founder of Overseas Television and Radio Ministry, or ORTV, in Taiwan. To find out more information, their website is ORTV.com. That's ORTV.com. And a little history for you. China was ruled by Chiang Kai-shek from 1928 until 1949, when he was defeated in decisive battles. 
He and his army then retreated to Taiwan, where he was the leader until his death in 1975. As we heard, Doris played her trumpet at Chiang Kai-shek's funeral, and later, his wife's favourite program was the one that ORTV produced teaching English. So, she has had a huge impact on Taiwan over the years. In 2002, Doris was awarded the Order of the Brilliant Star, the nation's highest non-military decoration, and was made an honorary civil servant by the President. So, all in all, a remarkable life in service to the Lord. Well, thanks for joining us for Dr. Doris Brome's amazing life story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Graham Staines was a young man who grew up near Brisbane and he spent uh, the next 35 years of his life serving lepers in a very sort of uh, remote part of India and um, raised a family there. He had three children. And then in 1999, some radical people who didn't like what he was doing actually attacked him and uh, some of his children in a vehicle and they unfortunately passed away. Andrew Matthews is a Perth schoolteacher who has written and produced a major feature film called The Least of These, The Graham Stain Story. How did this all come about? We'll find out the story behind the movie next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.